Hey, what's up, family? Thank you all so much for joining us live. My name is Josh, and with my brother. Hey, my name is Jeff, and uh, we want to welcome y'all. We're so excited to see everyone. Sorry, there was a delay in your uh, thing. It's all good. My bad, man. I gave you a pass when you were looking. But yeah, we just want to welcome you all for those who's watching us live and also those who's listening later. For those who's watching live right now, thank you so much for watching. Uh, feel free to share, comment, all that good stuff. And after watching this video, like, man, I like what these guys are sharing. Uh, make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe. We'd love to have you part of our community. And make sure you like us on Facebook as well, The Way Out Podcast. And I know my voice sounds crazy, but I coach basketball. And so I just got back, literally just got back from coaching my nephew's game. So a lot of yelling, but it is what it is. Um, but we're going to go see who's all here. Come on in. But for those who's listening later, that those people that are a part of our listening community want to say thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our community here online. So we love y'all. This is our first podcast of the year. And uh, going forward, we're going every week. So get ready every for week. that. Uh, probably starting next week, you'll actually be able to listening listen to our own Way Out podcast uh, audi audibly um, on wherever you podcast. So we'll make sure we have that content there. So go ahead and share. Go ahead and let your family and friends uh, join us because we're going to talk about some very good stuff today. But how you doing, Jeff? How you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. And uh, like Ezzy said, I'm so glad to have you all here. You know, uh, Ezzy and I always pray and we just want you all to experience uh, the wonderfulness that is God. And um, for those of you that don't know, uh, maybe you, you haven't been on before, Ezzy and I, um, we we usually do it in four sections. We do um, a day in the life of a family man, usually from a, a, a husband slash father perspective. Then we do a subject, a Q&A, and then we get to talk about food. And so um, I just want to remind you all about that. But yeah, as you man, I'm doing good. I'm, this has been a, uh, when was the last time we were on? I think um, right before Christmas. Yeah. So it's been, it's been almost a month and uh, I know things have been crazy busy, everything going on, but um, I'm doing really good. How are you and the fam? All's well, man. It's a brand new year. I'm excited about 2021. And what God wants um, has for me as a husband, as a man to do. So I'm yeah. excited about um, just being being a good steward of his and everything he has me shepherd over. But but uh, but yeah, I'm excited, man. New year, a new opportunity for God to get more glory out of our lives and for mm -hmm. us to make sure that we pour into the lives that he's entrusted to us, man. But besides that, bro, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited about creating. I'm, I'm in a very creative space, man. I'm excited about... I don't know if God wants me to do books. I don't know what he wants me to do next, but I'm just excited, yeah. especially when basketball season's over, where I can really just, really just kind of engage and really just see what God wants me to produce this year, man. But but for those who's posting questions already, please save your questions. I see a lot of great questions. We're going, we actually, as I was driving, I called Jeff and a, a topic came up in regards for us as family men, as men, period. And ladies, as you listen, um, this could be some things you should be looking for in a man, but but one thing that dropped on my heart, Jeff, and I told you on the phone, was the importance mm -hmm. of us as men covering yeah. our families, covering our property, covering um, anything that God and everything that God has entrusted us in prayer, man. And and I think that's something that a lot of men miss out on their responsibility spiritually. Um, there's a lot of men who can provide physically; they can provide financially. But they're unable to provide the spiritual need 
Or there could be some men out there that, could, that provide the spiritual needs, but they're not holistic in their provision. But specifically, yeah. we want to make sure that we cover the importance of men um, covering uh, and taking the initiative in prayer. I don't know if you want to jump in there, Jeff, or I could go ahead and start kind of uh, um, divulging my thoughts on it, man. But I think this is something that's very important and that I'm excited to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I'll let you go ahead. But yeah, whenever you called, that is something that I think is is so important. And I like that you touched on that. It's not just the spiritual aspect. It's every area that every we area. are supposed to uh, be covering our wives, you know, because uh, when we don't do that, there there is a gap in the system. And so, you know, that's why you see so many women having to fill the role of a father and 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 coach and, and all these different kind of things. So, yeah, let, let me hear what you have to say that we can kind of go back and forth. But I think it's a wonderful topic and it's something that men need to be very careful that they uh, prioritize in their lives, because if they don't, you know, Jesus does prioritize. And so if we don't prioritize, that's how we get messed up families. And then that's exactly. how we get messed up communities and me and a messed up nation. You know, we we have to do our first thing at home. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I like what you said was prioritize. Like it has to be something that uh, doesn't feel like a chore, doesn't feel like a burden, but it should be a joy. I mean, it, it, a man of God desires to protect. A man of God endeavors to ensure that he makes his his leadership and his engagement with his family easier. See, Unfortunately, a lot of people are reactive when it comes to spiritual warfare versus proactive when it comes to spiritual warfare. Yeah, that's so, so what weird. happens is every single day you're still reacting mm -hmm. to the enemy's plots of yesterday, right? right? But what I've noticed in my marriage, and I know you do this, Jeff, is the benefit of proactive spiritual warfare, understanding That's our right. authority as men to counsel every plot and scheme of the enemy, to make sure that mm -hmm. we're sensitive enough of the spirit of God to be able to discern the potential onslaughts or angles the enemy may come. But when you're so consumed with your career and when you're too mm -hmm. consumed with with the, the, the cares and the loves of his life, right? Mm -hmm. Then you will miss out on the different entry points the enemy comes through. It is our responsibility as men to be the covering while Christ is the foundation. Yes. Let me repeat that. Christ is the foundation that holds you, your family, your children, everything that you have is do it together. But it's our yes. responsibility as men in this realm Submitted to the spirit of God to be able to be sensitive enough to watch and pray. See, watching and praying is not just for you not to fall into temptation, but you must watch and pray so that any and everyone that's connected to you doesn't fall into temptation. How many daughters, Jeff, have fallen into temptation because they're the man of the house wasn't watching and praying? How many sons, how many wives, uh, us men, we get so caught up in our work that our wives fall into what we think is small, but it's actually a big temptation of, of looking somewhere else for um, provision or it falling into temptation of insecurities. Now she's thinking, am I even enough for my husband? Because my husband's out here being consumed in his life. So it is very important that men have a strong prayer life in their single life so that it permeates and is felt like my wife should feel protected. 
Yeah. Like she may not see me pray all the time. She may not even know when I pray all the time, but she should she should feel some level of supernatural security mm-hmm. knowing that her man is taking initiative, especially when it comes to uh, um, when when our wives and when our families are naturally like a woman is naturally a nurturer. Right. right. So she's right. going to naturally probably be more distracted by family stuff. Right. Yeah. But but us as men. It is important that we, Holy Spirit, show me what's vulnerable in my family's life and help me to intercede. And prayer is, is not just about asking. You see, it's about uh, uh, it's about ensuring that everything that's around your jurisdiction is protected. So that's pretty much my two dollars and eighty seven cents on that, brother. What do you feel what no, about sharing through you? Or buy a red velvet cake from Quick Trip on that. Anyway, uh, Kenny knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, man, I thought you you actually uh, touched on some really good things. I just wrote some stuff based on what you said. Because yeah. um, we talked about priorities. And you said um, that, you know, when a man's so focused on his career, my, my thing is this. What is acceptable to sacrifice? Hmm. What, what, what do I mean by that? Uh, uh, let me try to say it in a different way. What I mean by this is that your family cannot be sacrificed for the sake of your career. Uh, your interests are not God's interests. Your family is God's interest. What, what I mean by that is this. It doesn't mean you can't have things that you do outside the home or that you can't be involved. But let's be honest. When a man goes to work, he's working. He's working hard. He's tired. When he comes home, he still has to put 100% effort into his family and go to bed tired. There's no excuse. And so uh, the second point was this, um, you know, you said that the woman is, is naturally more of a nurturer. This is true. See, but she's in it with the kids. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a situation, you can't see from every angle. That's why you have to have somebody from outside the situation to look in and be able to judge and see it, are there gaps that are missing. And that's I right. think that that's what the man does. He comes in, he looks at it from a higher, uh, a further out view and sees a bigger picture. And then behind him is God seeing an even bigger picture, right? And so he's speaking to them, and then he's speaking to his wife, and his wife's speaking to the children. And it's like those multiple views of seeing are, are what are necessary. But if you're never there to understand and see what's going on, it's very difficult because then, then the woman is sitting there trying to struggle and struggling with things, and she may not even realize it. And you were supposed to be there to see and to, and to uh, alter that situation because maybe you'd be able to see what she couldn't see. Uh, last thing. A thief never comes when there's a party in the house. Mm. He comes at night when you're asleep and comfortable. So that's going back to what you were talking about, that if you're not proactive, you know, there's a reason I have a security system at my house. It's because when I'm not awake or I'm comfortable or I can't be on my best game because I'm not awake, I have a security system that will go off to remind me to go and get my gun to protect my family from anything that comes in the house. Right. And so it's like, what security system are you putting in place to make sure that when you can't be on the job, are you still, are you still being proactive to, to set those measures, you know, in your life, you know, give me, I'll give you a few practical examples. You know, number one, I'm up first before everybody else. I'm naturally a morning person. I should be covering my, my family in prayer as soon as I wake up before they That's even right. get away. If, if my kids are going through something that week and I have to find out from them, that's a problem. I should be able to talk to them and say, 
Hey, do you have tests this week? What do you have going on this week? Tell me. I always do that with my boys. I say, hey, do you guys have any tests this week? And Ethan will say, oh, I have math tests on Thursday. Henry's like, I got social studies on Tuesday. I said, what time? Okay, I'm going to be praying for you. Let's also do the practical part, and we're going to study together. So we study together, but then I also lift them up in prayer. And, you know, they go to school, and they're like, Dad, I didn't know the answer, even though we studied it. But I prayed, and the Holy Spirit brought remembrance to me. That's real. And I, and I felt confident, and I put down it, and I got an A. And I was like, yeah, because Dad was praying with you, because we cover them constantly. So, yeah, I think that is such um, – um, thank you, Mom. She said we both look very nice. But anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Uh, uh, no, um, but I think that's so powerful. Like, like, and another. Oh, yeah, Ezzy, I was just gonna say one other thing. This, this is mm -hmm. this is something that, um, I think you'll bear witness to. Uh, yeah, but it's something I've noticed, and and you know I pre preached and ministered and pastored in several different churches. One thing I notice is this: there is no lack of women in the church. There is an extreme lack of men. And to me, a church that is not led by men is lacking because yeah. it's like you've got all, all these all these women in there. But there's like the, the but the men meaning they're married. I'm talking about married women, but their husbands are at home. And I'm and I'm like, no, we have to win the men, too. We can't we, we they have to come in and set, set a standard and do what they're supposed to do. So the reason why I brought that up is this is those women are trying their hardest and doing their best. And it's hard on them. Because they don't have the guy doing what he's supposed to do. And so now she has to act like wife and husband, woman and man, and fulfill a duty that is not there. And, and it's, it's, I think it's very uh, sad when I don't see that, when I see, um, you know, that the whole family isn't there. And so we have, to, we have to win the whole family, not just one side, if that, may, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, man. So basically what we're trying to say, fellas, is that, the, that in order for you um, to see increase in your life. I'm not talking about finances, just that. I'm not talking about just that. But but what I'm saying about increase as far as God entrusting you with a daughter, with his daughter, and trusting you with children, and trusting you with platforms and positions, you got to know your position in God. And the greatest position you can have before God is like what we talked about a few weeks ago about Mary and Martha, is being yep. at his feet. Yep. Because I'm telling you, you it just comes with a territory. You have to be on guard. You have to be the one first yeah. to do it because of God's uh, uh, requirement of the man. And yeah. it just is what it is. So don't seek a position. Uh, don't seek to stand in a position if you haven't first been positioned on your knees Amen. and before God in prayer and saying, God, make me help me to be more sensitive to you. Help me to see what is the obvious, because right now, a lot of people, unfortunately, a lot of women and children are screaming for their man to see, yeah. screaming for their father to see, yeah. screaming. But we cannot be distracted <clears throat> with the cares of his life. We cannot be distracted with selfish ambitions. We have to maintain our position in God to ensure. What is the what, what Jeff? What would be the greatest joy for you? The greatest joy for you, I'm sure, is that your wife says, "I married a man of God." Right. Yeah. Your second joy is for your sons to be older and say, "Man, my dad gave me the best example of Jesus that I've ever seen on this planet." That's what my joy is. I want to make sure that when when my wife can say, "You know what." I'm glad I made a, married a man that feared God. I want my future children to be like, you know what, pops? That man showed me God as best as he could. Yeah. 
And when I'm around him, I feel safe. Yep, I, I think that um, that's so true. You know, I you, when you said that, I was I don't know if you you know the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Yeah, the pastor of that church wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by mm -hmm. Jim Cimbala. I'm going to say that again because is it in my if I were to recommend books for y'all to read, my top five, it would be either number two or number three. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. But anyway, I won't go into the whole story. But his daughter went astray. And um, terribly astray. And she came back to the Lord, praise God. But one thing she said, she said, I, um, my dad lived the life that he preached. What I saw him, you know, she rebelled against that. But she, she said, I saw my dad and my mom and they lived the life that they preached. They weren't one way in church and one way at home. The person you saw in church was the exact same person you saw behind closed doors. And I think that that is the most powerful thing because if our kids see one thing, you know, you hear all the time about preacher's kids and how terrible they are. I, I think the reason for that is this, is because they they have parents that live one way in the pulpit and one way at home. And that's why they turn out terrible. Now, that's not always the case. But I think oftentimes that that is the case because they're preaching something to them, but they're living a different way. And, and I would rather my actions and my reactions um bring my kids to Christ before I ever am able to actually have the opportunity to preach the gospel to them, if that makes exactly. sense. And that's yeah. another reason to piggyback off what you said, Jeff, yeah. is that a lot of men minister out of order. They minister out of order. Yeah. My number one ministry is to God. That's my number one ministry. Right. My second ministry is ministry to myself, right? My third ministry is my ministry to my family. After that is ministry to y'all. The sad thing is the ministry's out of order. I remember when I first uh, was dating my wife, pursuing my wife. Uh, one of the one of the issues I had was was that, and she checked me on it. She was like, "I'm not going to be with a man that loves his ministry more than me." Oh, well, right. I mean, we know ministers that that have done that, and thankfully, thankfully they've repented. But yeah, that's. She's a hundred percent right. And that checked me. And now if she, it don't matter what she asked for. If I'm in the middle of anything, I shut it down. But when you minister to God and what I mean by ministry to God is what I'm saying is God, I'm submitting my life in service to you. Yes. I'm here to minister to you. What do you need? Yeah. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord. I use it as a different way. They that wait as a waitress, as a waiter, those that wait upon the Lord showering, because you don't renew your strength while you're sitting doing nothing. Right. You renew your strength when you're active. That's God, right. how do you like your coffee? Or, right. are, are you a tea drinker, God? What do you like? How do you like your tea? How do you like your coffee? So when you're ministering to God, you actually, in the process, are ministering to yourself. Right. I love and that. When, you are, when you have ministered to yourself, the joy of the Lord has become your strength. See, That's so in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. So yep. when you're in his presence ministering to him, now you're feeling more content with where you are. You're now able to connect with God's love even more. And yep. now that you rejuvenated, your mind has been renewed and cleared up for the day to see how can I serve my wife better? Oh, I've noticed this about my son. Now you're seeing everything in slow motion. Right. I mean, uh, one thing I heard when you when you were speaking, 
and I and I hope this this encourages all of you out there. Uh, the number one thing you can be as a man is available. Man, availability is the best, especially ability. in our society, is so lacking. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me when you were speaking, Josh. Uh, he reminded me. He said he said availability, and then he reminded me my, my Hebrew teacher at ORU. I said all uh, her and her siblings, all three were saved, mm -hmm. and I said I said why. And she said, well, my dad was an underground pastor in Jerusalem. He was an American. But no matter what he was doing, it didn't matter if he was writing a sermon. It didn't matter if he was working on something. He was, he was an engineer by day and a, and a, or a physicist by day and a, and a pastor underground at night. He said it didn't matter what he was doing. If we walked into the room, he always stopped what he was doing and addressed us and answered our questions or whatever we had. And I just thought, man, the number one thing you can be as a man is available. Yes. If you're available, it doesn't even matter if they have nothing to say. The fact that they know they can come to you in a safe environment is the most powerful thing because when you show that you're available, what it shows is that you're prioritizing them over everything else. And I think I think that's the only time you shouldn't be available is whenever you're in your prayer closet. You know, our boys our boys know whenever the door shut, the prayer, it's prayer time. Don't come in, don't bother unless there's emergency. Sorry, go ahead. And that's real. But that, that, like you said, Jeff, that should be such a habit that, that kids know, oh, he's talking to God. And that should spark them. Like, oh, if he's talking to God, I'm going to leave him alone because every time he with God, I'm blessed. <laughs> every time he spend time with God, like my nieces and nephews, they know when they, uncle Josh go to the store, I'm getting in the car with uncle Josh. Cause why he going to guarantee I come back with some snacks. Yeah, <laughs> guaranteed. Now I don't know if they do that with their auntie or their mom. Yeah, yeah, they know. They know good and well when Uncle Josh, Uncle Josh, where you go? Oh, I'm coming. They put on their clothes real quick. Put on a jacket. Yep. They know when Uncle Josh goes somewhere. So that's how kids should feel. Like when he's going in that prayer closet, I'm guaranteed something when he comes out of that closet. That's right. And I and I think we as men we put too much effort in our physical ability versus. Allowing the spiritual connection we have with our father to make things a little easier for us. Because imagine if you're proactive with your prayer, fellas, and you're counseling plots and schemes of the devil. You're yep. you're you're noticing them days and weeks in advance. You're you're hearing the tone of your daughter, you're hearing the tone of your wife, and you sense a open, a little open window where you know, let me close that window right now. If that's what Jeff's saying, being available. Availability is a fruit of awareness. I'm aware. <clears throat> I'm aware of what's going on and I'm taking initiative. That's it's right. something about being a man or a child of God where we where we take initiative. I don't have to wait seven days, you know what I'm saying, to hear from God about something. I'm so in tune with God, I can predict what I should do. Exactly. Because I'm spiritually mature. Yeah. I mean, what one thing you said is like you know what I told Joanne the other day? Uh -huh. I said, you know, while things are quiet, we should be sharpening our swords. Yeah. You see, when, when a soldier, when things are quiet, he can begin to sharpen his sword. That's real. And so I, he's I, taking I, the stone and he's, he's sharpening his sword while, while he's waiting and he's perceiving. And, and a lot of people, their swords are dull because they're not there because in free time, they're out partying and having fun. And then the enemy comes in and lays waste to their camp because they haven't been sharpening their, their weapon, the weapons of their warfare. And Jeff, and the sad thing about it is, is so many men that are like the unwise virgins. 
Yeah. They're burning their oils on unnecessary yeah. things. Not on temporary things that don't mean anything. And this young lady right here had a question in particular, what we was talking about. I know I, I don't want nobody to feel like I skipped their questions. We'll get to your questions. But yeah. her question was for, in pertaining to spiritual warfare. She says, Josh, could you go into detail about warfare? Yeah. Um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now let's 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 make that more let's make it plain. Why did the word of God say strongholds? The greatest um um thing that our warfare should be angled towards is number one, uprooting strongholds and preventing strongholds. Uprooting strongholds, preventing strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? It is an emotional wound that occurred in a period of time. That did not, whether you was mature or not mature, that that molded and, and grew itself in such a tight hold against you that's keeping you from holding what God wants you to hold well. Yeah. It's a stronghold, meaning it was a significant moment in time that created a significant injury that you did you what you wasn't aware of your significance in Christ enough to be able to cast down that vain imagination. And when that vain imagination gained more life, it became more tight around your life, holding you back mentally, emotionally, and physically through disease from yeah. being at a place of ease and to do what God wants you. Now, <clears throat> now, why does the word of God says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or earthly or fleshly, but are mighty through God right. to the pulling down of strongholds? What are some divine weapons? Prayer is a divine weapon. A mind that's renewed is a divine weapon. Words that speak the word of God is divine weapons. Um, um, praying in tongues is a divine weapon. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, do you say no, something? I was say fa fasting. Keep on going. Fasting is a divine weapon. Um, exegeting, exe proper exegesis and understanding the word of God is a divine weapon, right? So these, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's more divine weapons. Now, as far as proactive warfare, that maybe that's where you was asking questions about. Reactive warfare is me reacting to the devil's offense. Mm -hmm. I am a, I'm always on defense, Christian. That's what that kind of person is. Yes. We're supposed to be on the offense. Mm -hmm. The best way for the devil to get you off off the offense is to get you offended, right. wounded, bruised, embracing rejection. But when your mind has been renewed and you become spiritually mature with the ability to be able to look at a situation that says, God, forgive them for they know not what they do or have done. Because forgiveness is not about them being free is for you to be free. So now proactive warfare saying, okay, <clears throat> what were my former lust? What were, what were my former idols? What, what, where am I most vulnerable? And when you take an assessment of yourself, now you're able to say that when you wake up in the morning, you now know your authority in Christ. That's why the mind must be renewed so that you'll know who you are in Christ. No ambassador in this realm should be afraid of anything in this realm because you have unseen spiritual support. You have and you have this you have the CIA in you and the intelligence of God's spirit in you. Second, you have angelic forces with you. And you actually have authority on, on behalf of who you're speaking for. And now 
your warfare is not fair. <laughs> your warfare is not fair because you got the spirit of God in you. You got angelic forces around you. You have the authority. The rest is easy. So when you wake up, you say, in the name of Jesus, right. I counsel every plot and scheme of the devil in the name of Jesus. Yes. Warfare is not about God. Can you please stop the devil? God, please stop him. No, no, no. I know who I know. I, I have authority. So right. God, I got this. Not saying I got this in my strength, but God, I'm trusting. I'm using your authority in this realm right. to tell the devil who's up under my feet that you have given me power to trample over serpents and scorpions, and they have they don't have no power against me. Then you counsel their plots, and the devil's like, Daggum. Yes. Maybe we'll come at a more opportune time. Yeah. But the issue with a lot of us believers, we're not consistent enough. I mean, as I was going to say, you know, <clears throat> when, when when she talks about warfare, when she asks about warfare, you know, when you wake up in the morning as a man, you are called to storm the gates of hell and rip them off their hinges. Wow. I right. want the devil to be mad when I get up in the morning. Woo. We I want to rejoice when I go to sleep at night. Because he's going to get an eight-hour break, maybe six, maybe five. Because if the Holy Spirit wakes me up, it's on all over again, especially when it comes to my family. I'm not going to sit back and allow the enemy to come through and creep through my son's window and make play pretend and, and mix them up or come after my wife. No, I'm going to start. Listen, the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But a lot of times... The church is so afraid to even come up against the gates of hell. I'm not afraid because I know who's standing behind me. That's the difference. When I storm the gates of hell, God is standing right behind me. When I'm lifting it off his hinges, the angels are surrounding me. Listen, you have to decide right when you get up in the morning, devil, I don't care what you have in store for me today because I've got something in store for you. And what I have in store for you is that the book of Revelation says you lose. So I'm just going to make it happen today instead of waiting till tomorrow. It, you might as well just declare war and, and, and be on the devil's most wanted list. Listen, I'm not saying the devil's not powerful. I'm not saying that you invite unwanted enemy uh, fire. But what I am saying is that it is the Holy Spirit's ability on the inside of you. The Bible says that he that warreth entangleth himself not with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Why? Every as he talked about being on defense. That that's that's you entangling yourself with the with the with the uh the uh, entangling yourself with the with the things of this life. Because you're constantly concerned about everything that's going on around you. You never have time to go on the offense. But the Bible says that he that worth entangleth himself not. In other words, he's not always on defense. He's on offense. Listen, the devil doesn't expect you to run up on him because he knows how you are. Either you're his or 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 you're or you're the Lord's. He knows the weak Christians. He knows the ones that he can get in and suggest and take over. He does not care. If he sees a way to get in and destroy your life, and as I'll just finish with this. The number one thing you got to do is put on the whole armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the whole armor of God, and it talks about that you may be, be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. What does that mean? Withstand, meaning whatever he's got coming at me, Ooh. I've got armor in place already. 
before he even sets foot to come against me, I've already got armor to prevent him from, from winning. And so that 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 is why the Christian has to arm himself. But yeah, I, I don't believe it. See, in, in America, and as you'll say this, we're so used to letting the devil have his way with us that, you know, we figure we can solve it with psychology. Mm. And, and I, I'm not against counseling. Please, I'm not against counseling. Ezzy and I are doing that right now. But what I am saying is this, and I've said this before, holiness is the answer, not 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 psychology. It's that's holiness. Right. It's being, and that's the thing though. The reason why you don't feel comfortable storming the gates of hell nine times out of 10 is because you don't have a life that is lived, that is set apart from the rest of the world. In other words, you look like everyone else around you. You do what everyone else around you does and you you think you're fine. But Jesus says, be holy for I am holy. He says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. If you don't have holiness, the demons in hell are gonna literally look at you and say, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, Ezzy, I know, but Jeff, who are you? Because 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 you don't have any authority because every time I know how you play around with them demons, they li you listen to every word they say instead of the word of God. You, you listen to them and you don't listen to me. It, it, it's not gonna work. You have to live a life of holiness then and only then. You know, holiness is our discipline as soldiers of Christ. Holiness is our discipline as soldiers of Christ. Right. If we do not have discipline, we will not be good in warfare. If we do not have holiness, we will not be good in warfare. We have to live a holy life. If you fast, but you're not holy, you're, you're on a diet. If, if, you pray, if you pray, but you're not holy, all you're doing is talking to your friends on the phone. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change anything. Holiness is still right. And unfortunately, the, the American church and even people outside have convinced us that grace would supersede our need for holiness. And it's not true. It enables us to be holy. It does not replace it. And that's the difference. And that's why you, when you go to warfare, you destroy the gates of hell in Jesus' mighty name. And it's hard to win in warfare when you're in sin. It's hard to win when you're in right. sin. And right. it's hard to win when you're in condemnation. That's right. That's why we, exactly. What you have to understand is, is that we are warring, we are working, we are living from victory, not for victory. Stop looking for victory in your life. Work with an awareness of the victory that was given to you years ago. Yes. That's a mindset shift. When you're mm -hmm. able to say, you know what? I have the victory now. Yes. The issue is this progressive Christianity has crept into the modern day church that's causing people to think with this new age philosophy and believing yep. that the oath, that the word of God has been so antiquated that it needs addition. No, no, no. Oh. It doesn't need addition. It needs submission. You have to submit to it. The reason why holiness is not a fruit in your life, the reason why discipline is not in your life is that you're trying to add to it versus allowing it being in you. Yes. And, and that's what we have to understand is that you cannot defeat the devil with desires. You have to defeat him with discipline from devotion. Discipline right. is supposed to be boiling out of discipleship. The reason why the modern day church is not where it needs to be because discipleship has become a lost art.
And since yes. we don't know what discipleship is anymore, we don't want correction. We don't want a rebuke. We don't want chastening. What we want is a bunch of gifts and an increase in our life, but we're not stewards enough for it. Therefore, spiritual warfare against us is more prevalent and the devil is walking amongst God's kids confidently because he knows all I got to do is blow a little fear their way and they fall. Blow a little increase in their life because not all blessings come from God. And then right. all of a sudden, since you don't know your price, you allow your life to be priceless. Since you, Because when you don't know you're priceless, you start pricing yourself less. Then you're able to be bought. People say, uh, do I have to sign my name in blood to have a contract with the devil? No, we sell our souls every day. Well, but the issue is, most people higher up, they sold their entire soul. The issue is with a lot of us believers and people, we're selling our souls by the acres. And then about time you're 20 years into this thing, you're 90% owned by the devil. Right. So what we have to understand is that warfare, it should be, it should be a way of life for us. And a young lady, she asked again, she was like, uh, what does it mean to be on the offense? Let me see. She said, what is good offense? Good offense is joy. Yes. Good offense is praise. Good offense is is laughter. Good offense is 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 enjoying your family. Good offense is spending time with God. Offense doesn't mean you got to go in there swinging. Do you know your great? These are the two greatest weapons you have in your arsenal outside of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and that's praise and rest. Those are the two one of the two top best weaponry. When you can look at the devil and rest. And when you can look at the situation and praise, yep. the enemy has no choice but say, we can't mess with this person because they're resting in the finished work of Christ. They're resting in the provisions at the level by which God sees fit for that man and woman to rest in and the joy of the Lord. He, I, I, How can a devil inhabit your house when God is inhabiting your praise, if your house is not full of praise, then maybe there's no inhabitants. See, the reason why y'all probably a lot of people out there ain't understanding this because we ain't been taught. To, people are not teaching what it means for God to what it means when God inhabits the praise of his people. Where does praise come up when there's raise and upness of the Holy Spirit in your life? And what Jeff is talking about as far as holiness. When the Holy Spirit is allowed to be raised in our lives, praise exudes from us. Yes. God inhabits our, what I mean by God, because God is omnipresent, but inhabits means he loves being, he loves being with, in, in your presence. Right. God, God don't want to be with people he got to put up with. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. Right. He wants a level of spiritual maturity where he can say they're not. God don't want to inhabit the presence of powders. He inhabits the praises of he inhabits the, the lives of people who are people of praise. Right. So maybe we'll go a little bit more in detail down the road in a whole podcast talking about spiritual warfare, talking about how rest and praise is a great um, uh, uh, warfare tactic. But um, yeah. Um, Man, Jeff, this is good. We didn't even have a subject. Well, we can do a Q and A, but yeah, I praise God. You know, whenever you said that, I, rem I was reminded of one thing. Was um, uh, uh, what's his name from uh, the Methodist Church that started John Wesley? 
Yeah. One time he was sleeping and his his table in his room started to float off the ground. And he woke up and he looked at it and he said, Oh, it's just you. Put that back. Put it back. Yep. <laughs> that was that was Wesley uh, Wigglesworth. That was Wesley, Wesley. right? Yeah. Wesley. That was Wesley, yeah. Put it back. Yeah. So all right, yeah. So you wanna you wanna get to some questions? Are you going in order or are you just what are we doing here? Let yeah, me see. Somebody gave a super chat. And so yeah. I want to make sure I, I do hers. And then uh and then we'll do we'll go to the top. Okay, uh, gotcha. So it says let me, uh text my wife to see if she can uh turn this heat off. No, you're good. <laughs> it says uh can you talk about success and how it comes from Christ only? Mm. So many non-believers will say to me, I got my house because I worked for it, not because of God. How do we as Christian Christians deal with this? This is actually good. I mean, there, there's a few different good things in here. Um, we can yeah. pick apart. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Whatever yeah, you want. Let me take a look at it. Can you talk about success and how it comes from Christ only? Great question. Um, so many non-believers will say to me, I got my house because I worked for it, not because of God. How do we as Christians deal with this? Great. So based on what you're suggesting or not suggesting, but asking is how do we guard our hearts? from switching into mammon and and money being our god or a form of provision right um let's start with the first one can you talk about success and how it comes from christ on everything good comes from father of lights um most people think that god blesses based upon our merit now don't get me wrong god entrusts into our lives based upon our stewardship but when it comes in our understanding is that the I, there's a there's a verse in Proverbs. Let me find it. It talk, well, I'll just kind of quote it to the best of my memory. It says, I think it was David or someone said, um, a father, don't give me too much. Don't give me, don't make me poor. Did I steal? Oh yeah, Solomon. Yep. He said, Don't make me uh poor or else I'll beg. Don't yeah. make me rich or else uh, basically I'll, I'll leave off, but make me make me in the middle, essentially. And most people don't want to embrace that kind of life. Because that's what I love about God's daily bread. Uh, my principal was talking about this today, and it was powerful. Um, she was talking about uh, daily bread. We have uh, kind of like a staff devotional before school starts. And she was like, not everybody's excited about the type of bread that God delivers every day to us. Yeah. Because he was talking about, what if God's daily bread for you today is humility? <laughs> Are you going to eat that bread? Right. Embrace that bread? But anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. Is that when it comes to non-believers, non-believers don't lives are not submitted to God. They, they're not, they don't want God to be their source. They don't want God to be their provider. Why? Because the same God that provides will 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 uh pull things out. Like what I mean by that, he he's not gonna give you, and I always tell people this: God is not gonna give you more than your ability of stewardship and your level of trust in him. And what I mean by that is, why would God give you a million dollars when he knows that million dollars will turn your heart from him? Yeah. Right? So so many, it says, so many non-believers will say to me, I got my house because I worked for it, not because of God. Now, time will prove, my friend, Natalie, time will prove the sustaining of the house because money, listen, money can get, money can get them a house, but money can't get them a home. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So God is what makes the home. So the goal yeah. is not for us to be so caught up carnally in money to where we acquire these different things to lavishly protrude throughout our social media feeds to show people that we're successful. 
success, true success is eternal success. Right. The mindset of the believer should always be eternity minded. Yeah. Jeff, if, you're, if your employer sends you to another state to do business, they didn't send you there to go look for a house. Right. They, they, but what they do, they provided the hotel. Right. So as, and exactly. Because because it's temporary. My stay here is temporary, which means that God is not having me in this land for me to be consumed with lands and houses and plans that I have from my own heart. What he's saying is, I'll, I let me provide what I feel would be the best way for you to stay here and go from there. But you said, how do we as Christians deal with this? Always guard your heart. Always assess your heart. And what I mean by that is, is slowing your life down enough to always periodically self-examine where you are. Look at your heart and say, okay, um, am I being tempted in idolizing this way of life? Am I tempted, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to finance? So that's my quick answer to that. I'll let Jeff kind of take a stab at it. And, and I'll, be, I'll be really quick. I'm going to come from the practical side of it just real quick. Yeah. Um, you said I got my house because I worked for it. That's true. That's one thing that I think Christians misunderstand. If that person said, I got my house because I worked for it, not because I got it, I'd say, well, actually, God encourages us, is, encourages us to work hard. He yeah. expects us to be the hardest working person in the room. That's you know, right. and so, so you should be able to say the exact thing back to him. I worked hard and God blessed what I did and I'm blessed because of it. So you should be able to say the same thing, meaning he shouldn't be working harder than you. You should be working just as hard or harder. Why? Because he's working for himself, you're working for God. That's the difference. Number two, and I'll finish with this, the word success. I always cringe when I hear that word because it is a misunderstanding. The, let, let me just, and I hope y'all are listening. Let me define success for you. Success is doing the will of God. That's right. You see how simple that is? Joseph was in a prison, but he was successful because he was in God's will. He was Potiphar's house enslaved, but he was successful because he was in God's will. He got put, he was thrown into a pit, but he was successful because he was in God's will. He was betrayed by his entire family and forgave them. He was successful because he was in God's will. It doesn't matter if you have 50 million people following your ministry or your or your you reach to the height of whatever career you're in. <laughs> If you were meant to be a chef, but you're the number one financial advisor in the world, mm. God's will was for you to be a chef because he knew you were going to lead somebody to the Lord who was going to start a revival that was working in the kitchen. You are not successful in God's eyes. Mm. You are only successful if you are in the will of God, period. No, there's no other way around it. Because it doesn't, because here's the problem with success, and I'm, I'm trying to finish this quickly. You could, bro. You, you, it, here's the problem with success from an American standpoint. You'll look at a mega church pastor and say he's successful, but you'll look at a person with 20 people in their home in China and say that's not successful. Mm. That's a lie because that mega church pastor could be out of order and out of the will of God. But that person sitting in their bedroom in China with 20 people trying to not get killed by their government because they hate Christians is 100% in the will of God. Who's successful in that situation? The person with 20 people. But because you judge success based off of numbers and all this outward stuff, 
<coughs> excuse me, you think that person, the, the megachurch pastor is successful, and it's not true. The person that is successful is the one who's in God's will. I don't care if you're called to 60 people or one person. You better weep over one person like you do 600,000 because I'm telling you what, you'll never get anywhere. One person has to be enough. And sometimes God calls us to one person. D.L. Moody's Sunday school teacher witnessed to him, was afraid to death to tell him about Jesus. He told him about Jesus. And guess what? None of you know that man's name, I bet. If I asked you if you know D.L. Moody, you say, of course, he was one of the greatest evangelists ever. If I ask you if you knew who Edward Kimball is, you say, who was that? But guess what? I believe that Edward Kimball has a great or even greater reward in heaven over D.L. Moody. Why? Because if it wasn't for Edward Kimball's witnessing to one, D.L. Moody would not have been able to witness to hundreds of thousands. And that's where we need to get our mindset around what true success is. All right. I feel like I've talked too long. So let's move on to the next question. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to scroll up. Jody Real gave us a good question here, Jeff. Jody says, how to keep your wife happy in a Christian marriage? How to keep your wife happy in a Christian marriage? I'll say I'll say one thing. Um, it's not your, it's not your job or her job to keep you happy. That's... Uh, I, mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit only. The, I, that's what. Listen to me. The only happiness and joy come from the Holy Spirit. There is nothing on this earth, including your spouse, that can give you joy or true happiness. Nothing, because if you're not happy without your spouse, you never be happy with them. And if you're not happy with them, you'll never be happy without them. Because guess what? There are older people that are watching us who had their spouse and they were happy and then and then their spouse died. What does that mean? Are they are they no longer happy because they're not there? No, happiness doesn't come from the people around you. Now, if you're saying, how do I please my wife? That's different. By being a man of God, by being sensitive, I think the number one thing that a woman needs is they need to know that they that you are that you are secure, like your security blanket. And that you're available. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're doing what you're supposed to do financially, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually. You're doing all those things, you know, because the Bible says that the woman needs to feel cherished. The man needs to feel respected. A woman doesn't feel cherished if you're prioritizing everything else but her. But, yeah, I I think that's a loaded question because uh, my source of happiness is not my wife. My wife does make me happy. She she brings me happiness. Don't get me wrong. She's not my source. Though. The Holy Spirit is my source. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll take a stab at it too real quickly. Yeah. Um, keep is a strong word. In order for me to keep, I have to be kept. Right. Yeah. But to keep your wife happy is a burden you can't do. Correct. I'm just telling you, because what you'll do is you'll be pressured for pleasure. You'll be pressured to try to please her. But when you understand that you are a resource and the joy of the Lord is your strength, then when you know that you're just a faucet, you will let the water flow. Exactly. The problem is we make ourselves more than we ought. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We make ourselves more highly than we ought. And so what oftentimes happens, we feel, and the enemy does this, because when he knows that you're working, to uh, to to make her happy, then yeah. she he may creep through her back door to try to manipulate you, subtly or 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 knowingly. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to know that because because what 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 happens when um uh, when it comes to a place where your wife is in a in a place spiritual where she not needs to be, 
and she's manipulative, right? Then then she maybe she's in a bad space. Then she'll use you, and you won't be able to be man enough to correct. Right. Because sometimes uh, uh, the, what the word of God says, wash the woman with the word. Yep. So I'm saying, so so if you always focused on, I got to keep my wife happy, uh, and you hear that happy wife, happy life, no, it's happy spouse, happy house. But you have to understand that happiness <laughs> should, not be, should not be the term. Because if you yeah. keep thinking, why do you think that's a subconscious um, thing that's been placed into marriages? It never said anything about a, a, about a happy man. It says happy wife, happy life. That opens the door for manipulation. But when you understand that the joy <clears throat> naturally makes you a better servant, mm -hmm. then you will continue to continue to serve God as a man and you will be a pleasure to your wife. And right. in being a pleasure to your wife, then she'll naturally find um, happiness or she'll be rejoicing, not because of you making her happy, but that she has a husband that's submitted to God right. and she'll find joy that she got a man of God that serves her like Christ serves the church. That's good. Amen. But if the keep is too much, you can't keep nothing. Okay. Not <laughs> going to happen. It's not going to happen. But yeah. that's why I like what Jeff did. He turned, he changed it from happy to pleasing mm -hmm. because we should be a pleasure. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So that's, that's, I hope that helped Jody. I really do hope that helped. Anything hey, I, 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 no, I did want to comment on one Ratliff. You don't have to bring up his comment, but uh, thank you for your comment. Join and I love you. Um, it's just that we didn't feel led to continue doing YouTube for a multitude of reasons. But if the Holy Spirit ever leads us to get back into it, we will. So I don't need you to bring up this thing, but you know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. Um, okay, good afternoon. Hi, Jeffrey and Josh. Hi, Aunt Jeannie. That Jeannie steers my aunt. Hey, aunt. Uh, I think I said it right. Yeah. Rose Purpose says, how do I gain a connection with God? I tried praying to him and I feel like he's ignoring me. I can't feel his presence at all. Am I doing something wrong? I tried talking to him, but no answer back. You want me to go first, Jeff, or you want to take a stab? Um, I'll, I'll take a quick stab. Okay. Um, There, there's a couple of different ways I'm thinking about this because I know that we, God, my children hear my voice. I, I don't know you, Rose Purple. I will say this. Um, th there's a couple of things I would say. Number one, um, if there's any sin in your life or something that God told you to do that you haven't done, oftentimes he is silent because he's already told you what to do, but you're not being obedient. I'm not saying that's you. I don't know that. Um, but she said, I, I tried praying to him and I feel like he is ignoring me. God does not ignore his children. No. It's not going to happen. Um, I can't feel his presence at all. Am I doing something wrong? I tried talking to him, but no answer back. Man, I kind of I feel I feel for her because I've heard so many people go through this. Um, I'm not saying that God isn't quiet at times, but I but he has never ignored me when I've talked to him. Um I've never felt that he's ignored me. I, I, I don't know if you're doing something wrong. I, Izzy, I mean, I, I'll let you. I, I don't want to. Okay. I, I don't you. know the person, so it's kind of hard to know. I, I can't say she's doing something wrong because I don't know. But I, I got you. 
Um, let me read it again. How do I gain a connection with God? I tried praying to him and I feel like he's ignoring me. Now, we got to make sure we have facts over feelings. Right. Oftentimes what happens is the enemy will make you think something and believe something and then cause your heart to become hardened towards the thing that God is trying to make your heart a flesh of. <clears throat> what I mean by that is um, feeling has a way of making things true that's not true. So like Jeff said, God doesn't ignore. So what we have to do is there, there's something in the mind that has to be renewed. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God, right? So I, I see memes all the time. I said, how can you say God is quiet when your Bible is not open? How can you say God is quiet when your Bible's closed? What I mean, sometimes the word of God has a way of initiating or, or allowing the author, the Holy Spirit to begin to speak because now he sees that you are honoring his written word. Oftentimes we we look for God's rhema word, but we disrespect. Now, or not, make sure I say this again. Sometimes we we right. so caught up in the rhema word mm -hmm. that we overlook the written word. Yeah, we disregard. Word, we, we disregard the written word looking for a rhema word. When right. God is saying, how can you even be able to properly steward my rhema word if you're not able to exegete my written word for right. full understanding? So when you understand that the word of God is life, Jeff can attest to this. When I read my word, it's like my spirit man drinking a cold glass of water after walking through hell. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So what I'm saying is the written word of God has a way of renewing the mind to be able to properly understand what God is possibly doing. Right now, holistically, you have to look at your life. What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you thinking? Sometimes what we eat can have a way of causing us to be kind of off, right? And you will, you will feel like you're losing connection. Could it be sin? Could it be food? What are certain things in your life right now that's causing some type of interference? Secondly, you have to assess the level of your mental renewal. Like, yeah. do you fool? Because if you begin, because no, no, please hear my heart on this. No one who knows God will ever say he ignores me. Right. Will never feel like that uh, he doesn't want to answer me. Because you know him, right? If How can you, because also you have to know that God speaks multiple ways. God, don't, don't look for audible voice when God is speaking through situation. When God is speaking through, has, sp has spoken through someone else. Or he's waiting. Listen, uh, when does uh, your GPS talk? Your GPS usually says something when it's time for a change, when it's time for a turn. Right. It may encourage you to say in nine miles, make a right. But some but she's not talking all the time. She's not having a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah. following God requires you to just continue in what he's already told you to do. So how do I gain a connection? First off, you have to know where your connection came from. And that's through Jesus.
right? So when you know that Christ's blood payment paid the price for us to have fellowship, see, we, we are looking for connection when we should be looking for fellowship. And the question should be, why do I want this connection? The second question is, is what you have to ask yourself, do I love, do I love, do I want the answer, lowercase a, more than the answer, capital A? So sometimes the reason why God is not speaking is because you want him to serve you at your idol. One thing God will not serve is our idols. So what we're trying to say, I guarantee if you do these two things, my friend, you will begin to see some level of change. Number one, you have to uh, self-examine your heart, your motives, your intentions with God in this particular season. And it could be as a as a one B to this, you could just be going through a pruning phase. You see what I'm saying? You could just be pruning. And right now, God's not speaking because he's doing surgery. The second thing is you got to renew your mind through the word of God and to really allow the word of God to speak into your life so that you will be able to recognize how God speaks in various areas around your life. Yeah, I mean, I just finished with scripture. Yeah. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's right. That That's what I mean. Like scripturally, if you're seeking him with all your heart, he will not ignore you. He's not a liar. So, yeah, I would just encourage you to keep on seeking with all your heart. And, and listen, presence, like God's presence is not just reserved in feeling, my friend. It's not like if you if you always if you try to live your life trying to feel God, you will miss God because presence and understand like 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 it's factual that I'm surrounded by air. Yeah. But it's the only time I feel this air is when there's a wind. So just because I don't feel the air doesn't mean the air is not there. Don't wait for a wind to believe there's air. Oh, my God. We sound like some old school preachers. You ever heard old school preachers preach like that? What does the Bible say? Don't forsake the old past. That's right. Some of these TV preachers skipped over that part. Let me shut up. All right, go ahead. Podcast for exactly. Let's get to hey y'all, hey Jamil, how you doing, Christine? Oh, thank you. Reaching high says why. Would a guy keep you around if he only sees you as a friend? Why would a guy keep you around if he only sees you as a friend? Well, if you're intense with that friend, friend, that's it. As simple as that. <laughs> and the thing about it is, if you don't see, if you if you see him beyond where he sees y'all, then don't be around that guy, because obviously your heart's not ready right. to be at that level. But if you, but if he's playing you. And you're like, now, first off, if he's keeping you around, but he is giving mixed signals, then you got to leave from around him. So why yeah, would a guy? Yeah. If he's giving mixed signals. Yes. So that's the other side of the coin. So if he's seeing, if he's giving you mixed signals and he keeps using the word friend, maybe he's liking the benefits of your friendship. See, never give benefits without a person meeting first meeting requirements. Both jobs that me and Jeff have. They did not give us benefits first. No, no. We we had to adhere and and honor their requirements. Oftentimes, 
Go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. Sorry. Unfortunately, I was just going to say there's an old African proverb that says, uh, y'all know my wife's from Africa, as he is too. Uh, that says, says uh, why would uh, you you get the uh, cow if you can drink the milk, right? Yeah, when you get the so, milk for free. <laughs> you can get the milk for free. So, so, so what you got to understand, you see, the best way to have proper friendships is to make sure you befriend God and befriend yourself. Then the other friendships will find themselves in the right in their rightful place. So if he is giving you mixed signals and he's and he's having you walking by faith, <laughs> but it's but you in certain situations you gotta walk by sight. <laughs> certain situations you gotta walk by sight. Don't ladies, don't walk, ladies and gentlemen, people who's listening to me from everywhere. Some situations you gotta walk by sight and not by faith. Some people are putting faith in potential. And overlooking their la- that person's lack of progression. Yeah. So what you got to do is you can't you can't hang your life like a coat on a hanger. You cannot hang yourself on a hook of someone's uh, of false or 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 um, um, uh, empty phrases talking about yeah whatever whatever. But you see that he only wants to be a friend. So yeah. walk. Listen. Listen with your eyes, my friend. Yep. Listen with your eyes. We'll keep going for time's sake. How many you want to do, Jeff, before we get into the um, the food portion? Man? I, I'm fine. <laughs> I, 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 I'm as long as you want to go. We're good. Yeah, we'll answer maybe two more, and we'll do some more Q&As throughout our podcast. We're going to be doing this every week. Jamelia White says, my church leaders believe in wearing masks at church. I do not as I work in a hospital setting, and I know the enemy's agenda. I know what goes on behind closed doors. I wear one to respect my pastor but cannot wear one at church for another year, what to do? But cannot wear one at church? Oh, let me see. What, what my, is it? My church leaders believe in wearing masks at church. I do not as I work in a hospital setting and I know the enemy's agenda. Gotcha. I know what goes on behind clothes. I wear one to respect my pastor, but cannot wear one at church for another year. So what she's saying is, I don't want to put up with this another year. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. Sorry, my bad. All right, that's what I—that's what I was confusing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're doing the respectful thing by wearing one um, for your pastor, um, meaning meaning you're being obedient to the leadership that's in that church. Um, I mean, I think it's a personal preference. I, I don't. I don't think that you need to to. People don't have to believe like you and you don't have to believe like them. Does that make sense? Meaning you're, it's not a heaven or hell issue. Like I personally, I do not wear a mask. Um, But I know people in my church that do, and I don't judge them for doing that. I don't care. I don't care if they do, but they also don't care if I don't wear one because if their mask is on, then they don't have anything to worry about. Right. Because they're not breathing what what I'm putting out. So um, I understand you can't wear one for another year. I mean, the good thing about my church is they have different services that accommodate different types of people. You know, some people want to do a drive-through service. Some people want to do a, um, we even have a drive-through Sunday school, you know, cause we have a lot of older people and, and like for people that who are old, you know, they, they, they actually are more susceptible. I mean, the survival rates like 99.6. So I'm not worried about, about uh, dying from this. However, if your grandmother is suffering from another disease and you wouldn't even want her to have the flu because that could lead to some type of death or something like that, then I think you would use proper precaution around her, right? You know, I just say be practical. I don't 
I don't think you could change your church leadership, but I mean, yeah. like I said, yeah, I, I remember, I, I don't care if you wear one. I personally don't, I, but I, but I don't judge you for that. And you don't, judge, I mean, that's, that's something that you don't want Christians to get mixed up in. Like we don't need to have a, a, um, a, a division exactly. because of, because of a mask. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's not the end of the world, but yeah. I, and, and this is coming from somebody who doesn't wear them. Like Joanne slaps me all the time when we go into the store because she'll have one on and I won't because I don't care. But <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from uh, and I get it. Like I've had COVID. I survived. It was nothing. It was literally nothing. Um, so I, but I don't think you should judge those that are. Yeah. Because remember that I think as he like, maybe she's come from the perspective, like you have to remember like that church is pastor. I think he's just being extra cautious because he doesn't want to be the cause of something. And so he's thinking of that probably too. At least the church is open is what I would say to you. If your yeah. church is closed, that is a problem to me. Your church should be open. Yeah. I don't care what anybody or what governor or what person. No, keep your church open and uh, don't shut it. I don't care. There, yeah, There's yeah. nowhere in the Bible that says to shut down your church because of a mm -hmm. plague. That's not biblical. So it talks about even when you see the day of coming, come, come, assemble even more. Exactly. And so what I would say to you, friend, is that, like Jeff said, don't cause an unnecessary division. Yeah. And by by his responsibility level, maybe at this level, um, a lot of preachers are being tested in their faith in God. And so maybe your faith is stronger in this area than his, yeah. right? Because he is human. He's not Jesus. And so that should give you some level of empathy um, yeah. um, to be able to kind of Okay, I could understand that if I was in his shoes and I'm hit like this and and I have hundreds of thousands hundreds or thousands of people, and I gotta make sure I lead a little cautiously. Maybe he's getting pressured from his board. Is you, you just have empathy as you continue to just fellowship with God and wherever he wherever church God wants you, be there just because there's not gonna there's not a church you're gonna always agree with everything. No. And you don't wanna cause division with everything or think you gotta leave because of everything. Um, but just thank God your church is open and pray for your pastor that he makes wise decisions and go yeah. from there. That will keep your heart from becoming hard or from, from you becoming uh, uh, more spicy than you need to be or more overly concerned with this than you should. And yes, there is a demonic plot to this. Yeah, the devil is working through the fear mongering that's going on. But at the same time, um, you keep your faith in God and, and help and uh, just be a, a, a prayerful resource for those that may need your support through prayer. Yeah, and I, I would just finish on one last thing. It's okay to call your church leadership and have a talk with them. Yeah, there you go. There, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's okay to go and share. Like if they're like forcing everyone in there to wear one, which I think is what you're saying, you're allowed to go and talk it out with your pastor. Go, go and talk about it. That there, I don't think as long oh, as you're, she said the leadership is making everyone no option. Okay, well, yeah, they, exactly. So do they, do they have online service? Like if like if you if you really feel like hey, pray is to have empathy, pray for them. Yeah, but if you, I don't know, man. I mean, I do know, but I'm trying to I'm trying it's to. It's okay just, to talk about it with him as long as you don't blow it up and go around and gossip because if yeah. you do that, you're, you're ten uh, times over the thing. I would yeah. uh I would definitely have a conversation with him. Yeah. I would definitely have a conversation. Share, share your heart. I mean, you both have the Holy Spirit. So if if you're both saved, you both have the Holy Spirit. So yeah. Yeah. But I, uh we'll keep going. Uh good yeah. evening. Oh, 
That's mama. Mama said that. Okay. Uh, Dorian Daniel says, how did you guys in singleness handle your sexual drive and not think about intimacy during the early a.m. between four and seven when our drive is the strongest? Well, this man is a scientist. <laughs> this man is a scientist. Oh, man, I, that made me laugh. Yeah, man, this man, I said, man, he, he, I think he's about right. He, when you wake up, I understand, bro. Um, listen, I'm going to just tell you from my experience, right? First off, sex is a gift from God. You don't want God to take your sexual drive. That's just that that's 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 not wise. You don't want that. That's God created sex. God wants us through his spirit, through sanctification, to become better stewards of our sexual drive. I think what's missing is that there is the world will lie to you and be like, well, you you can't steward that. That's just what men do. No, there is a stewardship that comes from submission. Like when I submit my life to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to renew me and to sanctify me, giving me a new perspective of my sexual energy and to eliminate all contributing factors that may flood that, that four to seven hour window won't be as intense. See what I'm saying? It won't be as intense because number one, you, you you allow the sanctification of the Holy Spirit to renew your mind in regards to what, what comes with sexual drives and etc. Secondly, then you will begin to eliminate. After you submit, then you subtract. Then you begin to subtract things that are contributing at subtracting shows, uh, getting rid of Instagram, getting rid of apps, getting rid of anything that may even pose a question. Number three, then you allow the Holy Spirit to show you when I show you, but surround you with accountability, right? Then fourthly, the fourth thing that helped me, and I know it helped Jeff and will help you because sexual drives don't stop when you get married. Right. Stewardship must continue. Right. Eliminate all triggers, right? The last thing is, is, uh, what's another S? Number, the first S was submit your life to Christ and his sanctification. Number two, what was it? You uh subtract. Yeah, subtract. Subtract. Surround. Number four. Uh um, dang, I forgot. It it boils down to seeking God's purpose for your life. I didn't write seven books just out of nowhere. Okay. I didn't make 1800 videos out of nowhere. Okay. About time those seasons where seasons of productive uh, it became better for your boy. I was too tired, man. I fell asleep. Idle time leads to an idle mind. Idle mind leads to idle hands. Idle hands leads your hands to do other things. Okay. So those that's just what helped me. But but I'm telling you, the intensity of those drives begins to diminish the more that you are more proactive and intentional with your time. Uh, but that's the driveway. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Finish, please. Nah, I'm done, bro. All right. I was, I was just going to bring out three points. Number one, um, a fire is fantastic in a fireplace. It is a nightmare if it's in the middle of your living room. Oh, say Let me say that. A fire is great in a fireplace. It's terrible. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on, hold on, Jeff. This moment has been brought to you by Mrs. Ezzy. She brought me tea. See what I'm saying? Um... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, sorry. A fire is great in a fireplace. It's terrible if it's in the middle of your living room floor. 
Meaning sex is a good thing in its proper place. Is yeah. a it will burn your life down if it's outside of its proper where it was meant to function. That's number one. Number two, Matthew 18, 8. See, this is the problem, I think, with a lot of people in America. They have been so desensitized to sin. But listen to mm. what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 18, verses eight, verse 8, it says, I'm going to read from the, let's see. I can't find any other version. I'm just going to read New King James. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. What do I mean by that? If you being alone from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. is going to lead to sin, then you don't need to sleep by yourself. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> you should get a roommate. You should stay at your parents' house. I don't care if you have to sleep on your parents' bedroom floor at the bottom of the bed. If it will keep you from going into sin and dying and going to hell, then you should. I don't care if you have to sleep in between your parents. <clears throat> I don't care what you have to do. If you have to sleep in a cold water bathtub to make sure that you don't sin between four and seven. If you got to get a flip phone instead of a smartphone, it is better to get a flip phone and go to heaven than to have a smartphone and go to hell. It is better because fire is good in a fireplace, but if it's taken out, it will burn your entire house down and leave you with nothing. Number three, what you feed grows. What you don't feed dies. Listen, if you are feeding something, it becomes nourished. When you withhold nutrients, you become malnourished. If you have ever been around something that is malnourished, eventually it does not get the nutrients it needs because it's been denied access, denied access. I'm sleeping in my parents' room. I got a flip phone. I don't look at Instagram. I don't look at Facebook. I stay out of the magazines. I don't watch movies where they're doing crazy stuff. I stay away from that stuff. I mean, I don't even like looking at a kissing scene. I even a, 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 a meaningful kiss or whatever that even even on TV that's like not not nothing. I, I I tell my boys to close their eyes for that. I'm over there closing my eyes too. When I walk by in the mall, when we walk by in the mall, we go by Victoria's Secret. Guess where my hands are? Over my son's eyes because it is not normal what they are promoting it's because not. they are promoting it for a fire in the in the bed or in the. They want to put a fire. Yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to fire in your bedroom, not in the fireplace. That's the problem and is destroy your life. So I would just say this. Prioritize righteousness and holiness over sin. Now, some practical things like we said, sleep somewhere else. When we were in college, we used to sleep on each other's floors all the time, all the time. Yeah. And, and they don't know that. We, we yeah. literally. We literally did that all the time because it is better. It is better to be in fellowship with people and not go off into sin. So, so there are practical things that we've given you, but then spiritual things. Listen, you've got to see every woman as a potential sister in Christ. That's when you begin to value a woman from God's eyes, when, you know, listen, I said this to our boys the other day, Ezzy. I said, when, when you have a religion, you'll hear an instruction. But when you have an, a relationship, you'll hear instruction and the heart behind it. That's, That's right. the difference. It's not God just telling me something. It's why he's telling me something. He doesn't just share what I'm supposed to do. He gives me his heart behind it. 
So it's the same thing when I see a woman. Oh, God doesn't just say, don't sleep with women. Don't do this with women. Don't do this with women. He says, that's my daughter and you're my son. And I know that if you do this and this and this, it's going to grieve my heart and it's going to take you out of relationship with me. And I don't want that. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Relationship is concerned about your well-being and that person's well-being. And so when you get off into all this craziness, listen, I fight with everything in you to stay holy. The Bible says it's better to marry and to burn, or than to burn, right? If you got to get married tomorrow, okay. I mean, there's 15, I think it's what, two to one men, uh, uh, two women to one men. I'm sure you can find somebody. So, you know, <laughs> unless you're young and I get that. I'm not saying you go off and get married, but I am saying do everything you can to live a life of holiness because that's what the devil wants. I, I don't care what anybody else says. The devil doesn't want what want anything. He doesn't want your he doesn't want your wealth. He doesn't want your quote unquote success, all that nonsense and all that. He doesn't want that. He wants your holiness. Because he knows that he knows without holiness, you're not going to heaven. You're not gonna go. So he just attacks you. Sorry, as a kid, we can go to another man. Listen, we'll probably end on this one for time's sake. Yeah. But let me tell you this. Do you understand the psychological warfare, pornography, and sexual stuff is? He knows a man entangled in that is no threat to him because all it takes is a leg, a thigh, a breast, a wing. It'll take whatever. And you automatically off. Like that is a psychological warfare. And what it does, you have to understand, that's what Jeff was saying. When people hear from God, they think God is just saying, don't do it. God has a why behind every don't and a why behind every do. So when you understand a relationship, like Jeff said, if you have a religious connection with God, you know, quote unquote, then all you're going to hear is instruction with no why. But when you have a relationship, you would then would be like, okay, Father, I may not understand this, but help me to understand. Help me to see that every woman is your daughter and a sister in Christ of mine. Even if she's not in Christ, I'm going to treat her like a sister anyway. Because I know that if I don't nip this in the bud, if I don't surround these things with disciplines and I don't deepen myself in devotion, then that would be the number one thing used through me to sabotage everything around me. And it and it carries into your marriage, by the way. If you don't get a hold yeah. of it now, it won't oh, carry into your marriage. Your wife doesn't make it magically go away. It doesn't happen. No, I know. No. So, I know. So I, you guys would not believe the number of people. I'm talking about Christian people who had an issue with porn before their marriage. They brought it into their marriage and they got divorced as a result. I cannot tell you the amount of people that I know, and I weep for them and I hate that. And and God is restored some of them and others he hasn't because they continued in their same way but i'm telling you what if you don't deal with it out before it's going to take it follow you right in let me tell you why jeff is telling you the god-given truth you want me to tell you why because the devil knows a wife has multi-facets your wife whatever whatever dressed up see what happens with dating is that you always see that person's best so what happens is you fall in love with their best, but you're not prepared to love their worst. So what happens is you're so caught up in, well, my wife's cute all the time. What happens when you see her when she's sick? What happens when you see her when she's not dressed? Uh, uh, what about um, when she's 75? 
What happens when you're 75? Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so what you have to understand is that lust has no boundaries. Love has boundaries. That's right. Love says, I know why I am in love. Yes. So you got to understand, making lust is easier than making love. Love takes a, sometimes love takes work because love is so hard because, because making love says, I, I, I may not want to right now, but I love you right now. Lust is easy. All you got to do is be in the backseat of a car. Lust can, lust can be done anywhere. But it's like this. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Sorry. It, it, love is um, doing what's right even when you don't feel like. Mm -hmm. You're doing what you feel like even when it's not right. You see the difference? Love is doing what's right even when you don't feel like it because it's an action. Lust is doing what you feel like even when it's not right. Wow. There's a difference. Big difference. One, the devil's the author of and one is God the author. I'll tell you what, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross, but he went. He went. Because he because he, he, he loved, yeah. Listen, what we're trying to tell you is that you ain't you're not going to be able to make love. You're not going to be able to be love if you're not walking with love. It's going to be very hard for you to walk in love if you're not walking with love. The more you begin to love on God, and God's love begins to flow through you and in you, you will begin to see your wife differently. You'll begin, ladies, you'll begin to see your husband differently. And then sexiness, sexiness or sexy is, is let me let me make sure I change it. But um, intimacy thrives. Physical intimacy with your wife or husband thrives when there's intimacy between you and God. We're not talking about same intimacy. What we talk about is when your love with God grows, you want to, you want to show that love in that way. Because you look, because because now it ain't about when she bends over. It's not about what she wears. It's the fact that you have awareness that your wife loves your stinking self. Right. Your wife just did, just made you an omelet. All of a sudden, I don't care if she got a bonnet on, no makeup. You want to do what it do. Because now you, you see love differently. Right. But I'm telling you, if you got lust living loudly in your life, you will never see your wife right. You will never, because what happens is you'll be, the devil knows that a wife cannot compete with the women on your job when you got lust in your heart. He knows she can't compete with that. Listen, the, the, even the women on your job and the women on the billboards and the women in the movies can't compete with the women in the movies and on the billboards and at your job because that's not them. Listen, they look like that because they are on a diet. You think they look like that after they're done shooting? No, they don't do that kind of stuff. Come on. Whenever they take the makeup off, that's one thing I used to pray all the time. I said, Lord, at, at ORU, we had to do the fun run. And I said, Lord, uh, uh, show me who's pretty and who's not. And sure enough, fun run, all them girls come out so early in the morning, they have no makeup on. And all of a sudden, you don't recognize anybody. <laughs> they don't look anything like they used to. But Joanne, she looked the same. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. But what I'm saying is... Uh, you know, you, you 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 can't compete with those people because they're fake. They're they're not how they are. It's not true. And so you know, it, it, it's it's a shame because we're, you compare them to all those things. But I'll tell you what, it's getting to a point, and this is the God honest truth. You can't even watch commercials anymore in America. No, 
I, I won't even let my kids watch commercials. They they know immediately. They've been trained since they were young. Close their eyes and their ears. It it's trash, and it's going to take away. And that's what he's after. So. But I know we have a lot more questions, y'all. But you know, of course, we're married men, and we are family men. And uh, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and transition. Thank you all so much for trusting us with y'all's questions, man. It's an honor to serve you all that way. Um, but real quickly, we're going to do our top three. Oh, man, my picture didn't come out good. Oh, I did. It's a little blurry at the top. I'm pretty bad. Three top three Super Bowl appetizers. Yes. And Ezzy, I wanted to tell my real quick story about the Super Bowl. Go ahead. And then we give our three. So when I was 10 or 11 years old, you probably did not know this, but I was watching the Super Bowl in Pennsylvania. You know, the Super Bowl's on at nighttime. You know, that's yeah. the only time. It's on at like six or whatever. And Pennsylvania during the wintertime is like dark at three. Uh -huh. And <laughs> that's what it feels like. But I was 10 or 11. And you know what the you know what our pastor preached on the, that morning? What did he preach on? The end of the world and the mark of the beast. <laughs> and I was 10 or 11. And we everybody was watching the Super Bowl. Everybody was cheering and they were happy. I went into the bathroom and puked three times. Wow. Because I heard a voice say to me to follow him. Hmm. And I puked because I was so afraid of the end of the world. And I went in and I said, I said, no. And I went in, I got fearful. I puked a, a second time. And a third time I said, Lord, I'll follow you. That's when I was 11 years old. Man, I think I had a similar story. My mom could tell you about this story I had. It wasn't around the Super Bowl, but I remember when I first heard about the rapture and whatnot and being in the left behind stuff. How yep. about I, pack, I packed my book bag, took my <laughs> bike out to the corner, and sat there waiting for the rapture. The <laughs> my mom will tell you, I packed my bag. I, I packed my bag. I don't know what I put in it. Probably some drawers, a t-shirt, and some snacks. And, and my favorite toy or something. Yep. I, I, I took my bike out to the corner because I was like, God, I'm going to ride up. Don't just take me up. I want to ride my bike. That's going to be a big hill. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, <laughs> I can't wait. To, you know, I was like, man, let me take my bike with me. Man, I sat after my mom said, baby, he's, you know, come in the house. You got a, you got a purpose. He ain't coming. That's how we got to be sometimes. We got to be ready. Yeah. So my thing is right now, that's why I know when you talk to preachers, this is what happens. My heart for you all is to make sure, and I'm going to ask you all this question. Everyone's watching and listening my, under the sound of my voice. If Jesus was to come back today, would you be glad or would you be sad or would you be mad? Or would you be caught in something bad? <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> Just extra word there. You got to live so unplugged from this world, detached from this world, that it's Maranatha every day. That it's like God... I do. Even though life <clears throat> as a believer here is great, it's great. I love creating down here. I love um, preaching to you all. I love my wife and family down. I love it. But I don't love nothing above him. Right. Whenever he's ready to take us up yonder, I'm ready to go. My question to you is, are y'all ready? Yeah. Check your heart today. Would he, if I, I, I tell people this all the time, if he was to come today, would you be glad, sad, mad, or caught in something bad? Right. What's your number three? Go ahead, Jeff. I think that's so important. Amen. And, yeah, and if man. you don't, if you can't answer that with glad, if you truly can't answer that, 
then I pray, you know, the Bible says that if you repent and you come to the Lord, you confess your sins and you actually turn your life over to him, you change your life. And, and you're looking at two people that Ezzy and I have both shared with you that uh, we haven't always had it easy. <laughs> and um, we both suffered a lot of rejection. Um, we both should not have turned out the way that we are. I can tell you that. Facts. Facts. A hundred percent. You, we should not be talking about the Lord. We should probably be divorced. Yep. Maybe alcoholics, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. But Jesus was greater. And, um, uh, you know, there's two types of people. There's ones that, that, that run to the Lord and one that run from them. And, um, I would encourage you to run to him. So without further ado, our, uh, top three. Okay. So, um, I didn't give my top three like my favorite, but I'm just going to put my top three as in like uh, kind of what, what we always kind of do. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that, that we always do, so I'm not doing top three. I'm like, I'm not starting with three or one, I guess, but I'll yeah. just say one thing that we, uh, I, um, we almost always have are, are uh, wings. So oh, yeah. almost always we have some type of like wing, like we do like, like uh, Buffalo wings or we'll do um, garlic parm or, um, uh, um, honey barbecue, Lord, I love honey barbecue wings, and so and it can be boneless or or, or bone in. We usually do the bone in, um, but sometimes boneless for the boys. Um, but yeah, we almost always have wings whenever we're watching if we watch Super Bowl. Unless Tom Brady's playing, then I pick up my wings and throw it at the TV. But anyway, what? <laughs> but anyway, what do you? Uh, what, what what is one of the things man, that you? Man, I'm not really for me. Like I don't remember the last time I was at a Super Bowl party. Now I don't, I haven't been to any Super Bowl parties. We just do it at our house with our kids. That's it. Yeah, I think I think that'll grow when I when I have kids. But as far as yeah. appetizers, uh -huh. appetizers, I'll just go ahead and run through my three because I don't yeah. really have. Well, number one is number one, yeah. and that's wings. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I can eat uh, wings. I can eat wings at, not every day. Okay. Yeah. But man, I can eat wings most days of the week. Yep. Man, bro. Wing. <clears throat> and I and I love it when it's a lot of wings and not a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So my, my other ones, well, I guess we go back and forth. We both said wings, right? What's yeah. the, what's what's your other top three? Uh yeah, I just wanted to point out there's deception in the comments from my aunt uh Jean. She said best quarterback <laughs> ever. No, that, that's deception. Get delivered. All right. Uh, um, so anyway, uh, uh, another one is, um, Joanne makes this amazing crab dip. And so it's like, it's like crab and it has like three different types of cheeses. And she does like a baguette of like bread and toast it. And then you, you dip it into the, the, like, uh, it has like, it has like cream cheese and cheddar and like, um, sour cream and like, like a bunch of different stuff mixed in with like, um, and and it's it's warm, and she and with crab meat and all that stuff, and she eats Ooh. it up, and uh and then you put it on top of the baguette, like the the thin sliced bread or whatever. Yeah, man, it, it I she the funny thing is she does such a good job at it, and she doesn't even care for it. So I'm like, well, praise the Lord, because there's more for me. Oh, that, so, it, uh, it is nothing better in a marriage when your wife is not who when your wife doesn't like what you love. I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know she ain't gonna touch this. Right. <laughs> but, but, then, but then but then when you have kids, 
See, that's the problem. They come by and they want to take the whole thing. I'm going like, no. to have a real talk with my kids. And it's probably my lack of uh, not being a parent. So I know this is probably not going to go over well. And it probably won't happen because the enemy of, of fathers and husbands, when it comes to their kids, fathers-wise, what I've noticed are the women. Yeah. Cause I'm like, man, I, I I'm already thinking about getting my own refrigerator. Yeah. Like, like, no, you're not you eating. Gotta do that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you're do not, that. You're not eating your dad's food. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, like I don't care. No, you're not getting my last wing. Uh, Eat your chicken nuggets, son. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, now the funny thing is, when our boys have the wings, they they like uh, they do what I did when I was a kid. You know, you eat a little bit of meat, and then you think it's done. You throw it on the plate. I'm like, hold up, bro. See, first off, the older I got, the more I realized the price of things. Exactly. And the more your brain almost accurately determines the price of each individual thing in the overall thing that you purchase. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, hey, buddy, you got to eat the whole wing, not just. You're not. I'm gonna tell my kids, you're not getting a bone nothing until you are are mature enough to eat everything. You're gonna eat nuggets, family. Like you, fam, son. Daughter, you because I I'm not gonna eat that wing after you. What I'm not gonna do is eat after you. You know what I'm saying? Because because kids nasty. I, I don't eat wings after no, that's disgusting. So, but if I look at a if I look at seven good wings misused and abused like that, <laughs> I might I might whoop you. Right. <laughs> you definitely not you definitely go into your room. Right, I'm like, what? Well, here's what you can say. I'm just joking. I know you're joking. I know you're joking. Here's what you can say. Here's what you can say. Here's what I do. Boys, don't ask for something that you're not going to eat. Yeah. So before you ask for it, make sure you're going to eat it. And that's Yeah, the good thing is like our older son, he is the most fantastic eater I have ever seen in my life. He will eat literally anything. My younger son has changed drastically. He would eat anything that is healthy, but he wouldn't eat everything. Like for instance, he loves salad, water, and salmon. It's the weirdest thing. But like, um, I know, and sushi. That's all he eats. But then he started. Then he started venturing into other things. He tried them, and he's been doing great. But yeah, we just talking about that, you know. But anyway, yeah. So wings, crab dip. Did you give a number two? My number two I had on my list is like loaded. Not 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 loaded nachos, but. Nachos yeah. or any type of dip like that, yeah, artichoke, yeah. spinach. Yeah, Man, I, I definitely want to try your wife's uh crab dip. That's oh, how I mean, you, you would love it. It's it, 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 she cooks it in a cast iron skillet too, in the oven. See, it's amazing. Listen, fellas, you hear what that man said? Mm-hmm. Cast iron, yeah, that's the only thing we cook with. Cast iron, Get your that wife no- that knows how to work a cast iron. My wife knows how to work a cast iron. Cast that's, iron. Good. that's good eating, bro. Yeah. And then um, my number three is uh, like, <coughs> and I think my mom even said it down here. She said wings and fresh cut fries. Yeah. So like, I love like fresh cut fries, but I like, like loaded fries. A few years ago, we yeah. went to this place in Atlanta and we had uh, truffle oil fries. Now I don't make that at home, but man, they were the best ever. But I love like any type <coughs> of loaded fry. Like what I mean by loaded fries is like Texas cheese fries. So it's like Ooh, fresh yep. fries with uh, cheddar or Colby Jack cheese and uh bacon and scallions and all that kind of stuff and then like some barbecue ketchup or sour cream or ranch on the side i, I can eat that oh i don't need all the sauces but you ever loaded- had them in a texas roadhouse uh-uh. but a loaded fries 
Texas loader, Texas cheese fry. I mean, I love it. Didn't I have Texas cheese fries? Texas cheese fries was when they bring it out in a, it was at Cheddar's. They had Texas cheese fries there too as an appetizer. Yes, they do. Yes, they do have it at Cheddar's. Oh, Texas, yep. That might yep. be it, yep. wings number one, Texas That's cheese amazing. fries number two, and then dip number three for me. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. The, the Cheddar's, man, man, I forgot about Cheddar's. That it was, remember we used to go there in college all the time? Yeah, Cheddar's was now, great. They so, have one, they have one, so where we used to live, you've been to my old house. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to the one that I've lived in recently. But anyway, um, the old house had, had a Cheddar's in Gainesville because we used to go to church uh, in there um, in Gainesville, Georgia. And um, there was a Cheddar's there. But then we moved. Now it's way too far away. But I love Cheddar's. But I mean, not many people know about that probably because I know it's in Oklahoma. I think it's in Charlotte now, right? Yeah, we got one, yeah. Yeah, we have Gastonia too, so there's like two in in this area. Yeah, there's one I think over where my dad lived, where he used to live on University, like the University area, like over there where like Walmart and all that stuff is across the street, isn't it? It's Which, on um on uh, Harris oh, Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Harris, yeah. That that's the one that I know that I used to go to in in college as well. You know, outside from Oklahoma, but yeah, Ooh, that one. That, that one. Uh, honey butter croissants. Yes. Man, I might go. We might take my. I might take my wife out to the What? Whatever. What was the place that we used to go with? Uh, uh, Brandon. What was it? Um, <laughs> what was it? Was it, it wasn't Cheddar's, Was it Bobby O? No, no. Was it Bob? No, no. He used to work there. Um, right. If you go past W T Harris, it runs into uh, uh, McCullough Road. It's right near there. He worked at a restaurant. I thought he worked at a restaurant up there. I don't think so. A rep, Brandon at a restaurant. <laughs> I can't remember. Was Maybe it? he said he went to it. It's up there past WT Harris. You know the road that intersects in between? Bobby O's. Was it Bobby O's? The barbecue no. place? He used to joke about it. I can't remember. We'll think of it. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a good Chinese food uh, place around the corner from there, too. If you make a left on that and go all the way down where you run into, I think it's Tri. Uh, I don't know if it's Tri. Uh, it runs on the back end of. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, sorry. Um, I know what I'm doing this weekend. I'm getting some Texas cheese. I'm getting some Texas fries. What hey, I'm thinking? Listen, it's not on the menu, but but tell them that you want it and they'll bring it out. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of places do that. So you said uh, Red Robin does that? Uh, I think Red Robin does it, but I, I, I know that Cheddar's and Texas Roadhouse does it. Cheddar's does it. I remember I used to go to Cheddar's all the time. I got the chicken strips, and I made them put bacon and cheese on my fries. Yeah, if you go there, say I want Texas cheese fries, even though it's not on the thing, they'll add it to it. And yeah. then I always get there. I always get their honey Dijon chicken with mushrooms over rice. I love that. Man, Jeff, we're going to. I'm going to Cheddar's this weekend. Hey, man, you know what I've been doing? Or no, I've, I've been I've been doing one meal a day, which I do from time to time. I just yeah, like, like pass during the day, and then. It's just easier because I don't have to think about it. I, I get so busy during the day. And uh, so when I do sit down to eat, I pick like the best places. I'm like, okay, bring out the feast. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> bring I'm me excited crack. about these Texas fries, man. But all right, y'all. We love y'all, man. I'm going to get on out of here. Coach, yeah. I'm, sleepy. I'm sleepy, bro. I'm going yep. to get some naps. I'm going to get some sleep. Well, thank y'all so much for listening. Amen. I hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. Y'all got everything on this podcast. And uh, God gets the glory, man, even down to the Texas cheese fries. He gets the glory for that, too. He also gets the glory for Joanne's uh, crab dip. He gets the glory for that. He also Definitely. gets the glory.
or for the wings. God gets the glory. Everything that comes from the Father of Lights is a blessing. Yep. And, I and that's what we—that's what we want y'all to remember that uh, it's okay to be spiritual, but don't be so spiritual that you can't enjoy things. Listen, yeah, I'm going to enjoy food here. Yep. Because I, I don't really know. When I was a kid, I was like, man, is heaven going to be nothing but fruits and vegetables? I hope not. Because the way yeah. you, would, you like sacrifice. I'll make, I'll, make, I'll make you a deal, Azzy. It that? can be fruits and vegetables, but like Joanne was saying the other day, she said, I wish broccoli tastes I wish broccoli tastes like Oreos. <laughs> because <laughs> Whoa, what a life. She was eating an Oreo and she's like, Man, I wish that I wish broccoli was like this. I said, Praise the Lord. I wish imagine what's gonna be in heaven, bro. Pterodactyl wings, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know my God got me, bro. Cause I'm telling you, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the first part of my eternity eating. Oh my goodness! And sleeping. Nope. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm, I'm gonna eat first. I'm gonna eat first, and I hope in heaven that itis is allowed. <laughs> I'm gonna eat, and I don't wanna I don't wanna feel like indigestion or like that. I just want the 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 itis that leads to sleep yeah. in heaven. Cause once I eat up there to heaven, I y'all y'all praise God. Yeah, I see y'all, man. For the next thousand years, I'm asleep. Yeah. All right, love y'all, man. We yeah. out. Y'all be blessed. Yep. We'll see y'all next Tuesday. We're gonna do this every week. Amen. We'll see y'all next Tuesday. Peace. Bye.